podcast listeners. If you hear my voice right now, I need you to do something for me. I want you to take out your phone or on your computer, go to Apple Podcasts, search for Ask Your Old Head Podcast. You'll see my, my logo, my little picture, my little image there. Find the show. Please rate and write a review. It's a small thing, but it helps others find this work and find what I'm doing here. And it really, really matters, uh, as small as that may seem. So if you could please do that uh, before we get into the show, I much appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Peace. Peace. I'm Justin. My brother, Justice Raji. Man, so... Today, I thought we could have a conversation with both. Uh, uh, I've returned from some, uh, I guess, travels. Uh, my more <clears throat> regional, local, and uh, related to work. Yours, more international, um, and and related to, I would say, you know, positive experiences and uh, and good times. And uh, of ours, yeah. you know what I'm saying, and. Uh, you know, both places start with a P, but they're definitely not the same place. Uh, so, <laughs> so I thought it might be just good just to have a let's have a moment to talk about some. You know, sometimes you know we always discuss the importance of travel and moving in place, um, but you know also what you experience and what you learn. You know, what I mean by being where other people are being who they be. So, um, I mean, I, I lead off uh, my place with a P was Pendleton, Oregon. Um, where I did opportunity uh, due to uh, work activity to have to travel to the Pendleton Roundup. Um, you know what I'm saying? Letter Buck. That's the, that's, that's the saying. They got a big sign out there. You know what I'm saying? You see it. And um, it's a, one of the, the biggest, I don't know, if it's, it's, it's one of the biggest rodeos in the country. And, um, and it's a big, you know, cultural um you know, over I think it's over 122 years, 100 years. <clears throat> just, just for context, just how far is Pendleton from from Portland? Pendleton, like, you know what I'm saying? It's going, about, going, I'm assuming it's going east, right? Yeah, it's going east. So Pendleton is yeah, kind of like the the hub spot of uh, northeastern. I think I think I'm accurate in saying that. If somebody from Oregon see it different, you can let me know. Uh, northeastern Oregon, and it is about about 200 miles east, okay, uh, approximately, you know, give or take a little bit. And it's so it's uh, when you're heading east in Oregon, you go along the Columbia, and then there's a point where the Columbia kind of bends up and away, and then you keep going, on, you know, about another 30 miles or so from there, and you hit uh, you know, Hermiston, Pendleton. And um, and of course the uh, Confederated tribes of the Umatilla, Cayuse, and the Walla Walla um, is also right there because all all of that land is the uh, you know what I'm saying the, the ancestral homeland uh, of those folks, those people, um, and others. Or range, I think. I think it's the right terminology. Space uh, that they inhabited up along the, the Columbia and down into the Central Oregon. Uh, before you get to the Wallawas and or get to the Wallawas actually too. But that's the Wallawas is a whole nother story. I'm, I'm gonna get out there at some point. I haven't been there. But so yeah, so the, the roundup is uh big rodeo. Uh for those who don't know rodeo a rodeo and then uh, basically it's a 
it's a competition, you know, it's a sport. Rodeo is a sport. You know, they have rodeos. Um, you know, you see like the bull riding and the horse uh bucking the, the catching the steers and the last of the, the lariat situations. Um, you know, but it's also all stuff derived from you know, cattle, cattle ranching, horse raising, uh sheep, you know, doing ranch related, you know, farming vocation activities. And and so with that, it also becomes a a place of celebration uh, for those who are involved in you know ranching and and, and related agricultural uh, realities. Um and then as everything that once something becomes celebration or uh, or it also then becomes a, a cultural hub and a connection point for folks that are involved in those worlds. Um, so it was a really you know big deal here. The city of I mean Pendleton, that I mean we wouldn't consider it a city you know by the like population <laughs> context, but it is the um, you know one of the bigger cities in as you're heading east in in Oregon, especially the north. You know, the is it side. is it the type of place where because you know, real or imagined, we had these ideas of these like ranching towns, mining towns, like especially in the West, right? I would say probably like Utah and over, where it's like general store, <laughs> uh, you know, someone selling like a side of a side of a, a cow. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like the sheriff uh, emblems. You know what I'm saying? Like, is it one of the places that? feeds off of that um because i would say even even when i went to park city in utah park city is 45 minutes from salt lake city i mean it's not far but it totally plays off of this idea of what it used to look like right Mm -hmm. so i didn't know if pendleton had a similar kind of energy they have uh, i mean they definitely what you would i think uh, and i used to like in, in in a rural context, like a big town. So they, you know, they um. So like I did like an underground tour. So they're like, you know, they got a main street with like several. You know, they don't have one brick building. They got a lot of brick buildings. You know what I'm saying? Like it was the um. So they they don't play off of like the the small like town like western town energy, but they definitely yeah. play. You know, tap into the idea that like yeah, this is. Um, this is old, this is, you know, used to be, you know, uh, like it was a, one of the things in the tour we took, they talk about like, you know, they didn't have a sheriff till 1902 or something. And so then before then it was lawless, like, you know, anything right. could happen. You know what I mean? A little bit of that energy, but it was definitely a, uh, like this is the biggest town in range. It was every, any town that's bearing off of here is smaller. You know what I'm saying? So they might have a little bit more of that like old prospector, you know, what you, what you see at a, an amusement park, uh, like log foam ride type <laughs> like that, that caricature of, of, of what Yeah, a, that's what, what I'm saying. So like, like, yeah, like, that's how you think about these places. Like these some places, like a, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. Where like the whiskey's extra strong and saying it's like, you know, uh, the, the drink named Dick Dastardly or something like, you know right, what I'm saying? Right. Like, yeah, like I would, that kind of, yeah. Yeah, I think it definitely like you know they 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 tap into the 
you know, there's like uh actually spy where you saw a picture of the hat of the hats I was checking out and um and the boots, you know, so they got like the western store and like a place you can get a big ass steak, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, but then also it's Oregon, so they, there's a whiskey distillery, you know what I'm saying? There's a, <laughs> there's a, this brew pub that does beer, there's another place does a like a dirt bikes and then they like set up like so when rodeo comes there's lots of temporary businesses and stuff that open up like any other like big festival they close off the street there's rides and stuff it's a whole thing you know what i'm saying it's music gotcha. performers it's, you know what i mean so ro- during rodeo is not the same as i mean i've been, I've been out to pendleton um, earlier this year for a conference um, which was great because you know got to kind of get a contrast to like pendleton regular day pendleton during roundup you know what i'm saying and it's definitely a different experience you know schools close during roundup because you know so folks can because all the kids is involved yeah i mean yeah so it's, <laughs> here's, it's, here's it's what everyone deal. wants to know just okay here's what, here's what all you you know all the listeners want to know is it black people in Pendleton? yeah i mean you know it's mattering here and there you know what i'm saying <laughs> it's it's you know eastern oregon is you know i mean you know, Eastern Oregon, Eastern Washington, Idaho are not states that uh, are known for their robust, you know, uh, well, I guess these whole, I said Eastern, the whole state, you know, African-American population. Um, however, you know, there is um, even back to even the, the one of the first champions of the, of the Pendleton Roundup was black man, George Fletcher, um, considered the people's champ. And um, so there's always you know, it, it ain't a lot of places where there's never ever any black folks, but just the the realities of the exclusion laws and then just, you know, as it even that takes me into my first, you know, sort of like little touchstone I wanted to talk about the experience. The thinking about is that like every place that you go, it has a history, right? That is unique to what to like why that place exists. And you know, I would say, at least in my experience and in, in talking to other folks. I think that uh, they're embracing the reality that yeah, the this, this Oregon's got a past <laughs> that it didn't include certain folks. You know, what I mean, you know, and then even in the, some of the tour we went to like the what's the name museum, this underground museum, which was pretty fun. You know, but you know the 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 Chinese uh, presence in Eastern Oregon, and that after the Chinese Exclusion Act in 1882, and the subsequent decades after that, that you know physically the presence of the folks who helped to build a lot of the infrastructure um you know that that supported the you know the the export of the the commodity crops and whatnot you know them folks was forced to leave and it's shameful um and at this time i see that seems like they're doing a pretty good job of like owning that <laughs> and talking about it when you, you know look around at the historical touchstones and markers and stuff like that i don't know if that was i, I would imagine just like you know, where, where we grew up, that wasn't always the case to talk about who was displaced so that you could do this thing, like going to, uh, what's the John and, uh, you get the birch beer outside of, not Lancaster, the other one, uh, not Reading, um, uh, Doylestown, yeah, yeah, you go and they're like, oh, that's the so-and-so house, and you're like, what is some, what's some indigenous people here before, like, <laughs> I thought it'd be about birch beer, like y'all came up with it, <laughs> like right. out of nowhere, no, right? Like you actually came up with root beer and birch beer, like, <laughs> let, like even even that conversation, right? Like, think about to your point about this. Every place has a history. Just this brief thing, I, just as you 
you shared this. Growing up as a kid, I always thought root beer and birch beer was just like some shit that existed. <laughs> like, never, never thought that like, wait, indigenous people created this. It was alcoholic. You took it, obscured them from what it was, and then sold it back to everybody. Yeah. With no relationship to the actual origin story. Yeah. Right? Like it was a it was a beer. It was not <laughs> like it's it's called root beer, birch beer for a reason. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, that it was a it was a native creation based on their society in which they shared. You know, there's an infamous story about building a big building in Memorial Park in Philadelphia where uh the indigenous for the native folks shared like this was the first time that some of some white folks had had birch beer and root beer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were building this building and, you know, everybody was getting a little tipsy. People started falling off the top of the building. And so that's what led in and plus the temperance movement led white folks to start taking the alcohol out of out of the beer. Root out of beer, the birch beer, beer, root beer. Got it. Yeah, yeah, but still try to keep the flavor. So, pardon me, just uh, nah. But it, it's so it's like you know so when you go in and even you know and I and I was saying I mean you know like everything when you ain't never been to something you have apprehensions you might have concerns some of those may be founded right based on the realities of American history sundown towns you know like uh, at a I don't remember the exact timing but in you know a couple of things you could read it. Um, you know, talk about they had sundown laws, especially for the the Chinese uh, residents um, who were there, and like they couldn't be outside after after dusk. So like they they be in the underground in the basements, you know, of of Pendleton, <laughs> you know, hiding from sight. Like it's you know, so all this stuff happened, right? You know, but then the other things too. What I, I thought about is important about that history is is the reality of the history of also like the presence people sort of lived experience of what this, what their, their space and their town means. And then like, you know, I don't want to bleed into my second touchstone if I give you space to add on, you know, about one of yours, but the, like when you're going somewhere into an event like this, you know, as we say, like go somewhere and you, you do the knowledge, like don't just first time you show up somebody place, be like, I'm going to tell, start telling everybody what I think. Like, nah, man, shut up. <laughs> be be here for a second and see what's going on um so it was really you know it was a, it was a, it was a great experience and uh you know had a you know, good time and, and i'm gonna add on about a couple other things that yeah. I, I thought about but i wanted to you know get your chest pass yeah so i guess i'm the other other p here um you know so took a trip to paris um uh the past couple of weeks, uh, hadn't experienced it, and uh, took took Azania, um as a gift for her her twenty fifth birthday. So we wanted to wanted to experience the the, uh, the city, and it has some it has some cultural significance in our family about Paris or whatever. So we wanted to 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 go, and I guess the you know first thing I'll bring up is you know this idea of algorithms and assumptions. And what I mean by that is that, you know, if you're on social media, it's probably a good chance that someone has put together a clip. You've seen a clip of someone being in a city. 
mm-hmm. right? And they and they show you forty five seconds of different pictures and videos, and they put it together and they frame for you what that thing is, right? And so then, if you like that, there's a good chance that the algorithm will then show you another place very similar by a very similar content creator, right? Mm-hmm. It is the nature of the attention economy that we we have discussed. Um, so what's a, what, it's a thing if you start to see what these places look like only through the curated ideas of those who want to show you a place for 45 seconds, right? Mm. It's very similar to like when everyone goes to resorts now, they show you the airplane, they yeah. show you uh the the they show you them when they're getting in the the car they show you the car they show you the resort and they show you going in their room and then show you the water right 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 they maybe show you a cocktail or something like they the show cocktail cocktail. no the one shows you no one shows you TSA where they took everything from <laughs> took from you and made you wait in a long line mm-hmm. or uh no one shares you know when you had to get off and people maybe in that country started asking you for money nor that the only people that work in the place are black or people of color, depending on where you're from. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it curates this idea. And, you know, you have to get away from that. Um, To me, for me, when I got there, and I knew better in the broader sense, but I definitely had to frame for myself, like, what was I expecting? You know what I mean? And not expecting the curated view of Paris versus because Paris is everything you've seen in the videos and a whole bunch of other shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like all of it, you know, and, and that's the thing I think you share with very large cities, you know, New York, London, Paris, um, you know, like global cities, this idea that like it's all the stuff that you've seen and a whole bunch of stuff that you haven't seen. And you have to get out of the algorithm of the assumption of like when you go, it's all going to be Louis Vuitton bags everywhere, <laughs> or it's going to be Dior bag. You know what I mean? Like, like that's not the reality of it. Yes, there are, there's a strip of, of stores like that often because the Maison or the house is from France or something. So obviously it's going to be a little different, but that's not what everyone is walking around doing every day, mm-hmm. right? And so just the importance of getting out of the algorithm. Um, and looking to see a place as it is. And I, I think I'll talk a little bit about that in a future in a future point. But, you know, being open to seeing a place as it exists, not as it has been curated, frankly, for an American and more importantly, black American perspective when you go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think that's interesting. And just. In case anybody's like Paris and Pendleton. Yes, they, I understand these are fantastically different places. <laughs> but Paris. they both start with P. Yeah, both start with a P. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We both went to them, you know. And we both went, so that, yeah, that, that's, their relative, their so that's how they connect. <laughs> um, but it is definitely, I mean, even what we, what we had started with, with even you asking, like, is it, does, does, does the town lean into that sort of, like, cartoon idea of, like, a rural western city, that a western town or whatever? And it's it, it it takes me to sort of my my second thing that I thought about was out there is that like even small places aren't exempt from the people stuff, right? So the people's people's sort of perceptions and assumptions or thoughts about what something should or shouldn't be, right? Um, not necessarily the um, you know, it's like you could have a hammer 
and you use a hammer, you know, like, oh, you the hammer, put in nails. But it's like, well, it's got this thing on the back. Oh, you take nails out. And then, you know, then somebody be like, I use it to break ice. <laughs> and like, <clears throat> I do, I, I, I do small demolition with my hammer. You know what I mean? Like the tool and the implement, like it's kind of subject to what people do in a, the, the way. And I, and I imagine, and I usually try to do this, especially as I've had more forays, you know, in, into um, Eastern Oregon, uh, more you know outdoor spaces to like try to see if you go on like instagram and try to like look for what po- people are posting about that place versus like what you would see if you're looking for like a city and you get you know like oh look at this waterfall and look at this other thing you know maybe, maybe you get like it's a cute dog or something right like but it's still shaped within like people's assumptions about what that place is supposed to be maybe yes. not what it actually is <laughs> right so you know the end of the day part of the importance of, of 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 a city like pendleton like the roundup and the rodeo is it like the rodeo is a competition but it's also like farm and ranch stuff happening like related to running farms and ranches <laughs> you know what i'm saying and the winter wheat getting ready and the corn going out like this the the city of pendleton exists in the larger sense because of the economy that's around it right and the people stuff related to that you know, from what institutions the people needed to, you know, you know, dealing with, you know, settler reality. You know what I'm saying? The um the prominence that the tribes in in, in the area and in the region have and, and the control they have in influencing, you know, what the rodeo is today and what the event is today versus maybe what it was like, you know, decades ago. You know what I'm saying? Where maybe it wasn't as a you know, centered on them, <laughs> quite frankly, um, or their voice was not as, as as prominent or as powerful. Um, so like even no place escapes our people stuff. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like whoever, whatever we're thinking and our perceptions of it, either you as a person that's arriving or you a person that's a part of it, you know, if you live in the region and it's a regular, it's been a part of your life, right? Your whole life, you know, like you're from um Wasco County. And you, you know, third generation uh, ranchers of some sort. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, it's not just a. I mean, I ain't saying I ain't saying it's. I, mean, I guess it might be like NBA All Star Weekend. Some people, but I mean, because you know, that's a lot more exclusive again to the NBA All Star Weekend. It's not really. It's not really a business related to being the NBA All Star Weekend. I'm trying to find a. You know, or maybe like it's going maybe like to a political, you know, policy conference. You know what I'm saying? Right, or, right. You know what I'm saying? Or, you know, Afrotech or something. Maybe Afrotech's kind of new. But just, you know, or, or even like a national, you know, advocacy organization conference of some sort that where you have a, it it's tied to a long-term part of your life that's even before maybe your age, right? It hits it, it, different. And so the town, you know, yeah, there's people selling elephant ears and uh giant cheeseburgers and they got the rides and then they got they got the you know you got you got the pretty nice belts that might be handmade by that person then you got the ones that's like that's probably not handmade that's probably you know wholesale you, you know you're vending you know vending in a way that would be totally familiar to some of um you know our big brothers <laughs> but just in right, a different right. context um then you also got you know, going to the Lucchese pop up, and they got you know, four hundred fifty dollar, thousand dollar, very nice Western style boots. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh man, these, these nice boots. You know, they trying to get going in, check them out, do do do, have a seat, have a break. We got drinks right. in the back. You know what I'm saying? Like all the stuff that you would associate, like you know, in our society, like you would be like, you know, oh, this is the you know, 
you know, wide open consumerism is there too. You know what I'm saying? At the event. Mm. And I ain't necessarily, you know, I ain't saying it's bad or good. Like, you know, everybody like to have something fly. Like it ain't just it ain't just city thing. You know what I'm saying? It just, it's just got different contexts, right? Um, you know, I go up in the Hamleys, talk to the hat dude, you know what I'm saying? The hats is some hats is they, they cracking. I'm like, I mean, I'll be always wanting me a dope hat. One of you, you know, you know, you know what I'm saying, give me a big brim situation. You know what I mean? I'm out here. But you have to, you know. I mean, I, it was a couple things I had to put down. I looked at that. It was a belt. I was like, well, man, that's that's the, man, that's a that's a cold belt right there. It was like green. It had the pattern on it. It was like well-made leather. It was just my size. I was like, man, let me get up out of this store, man. I, I can't do $172 belt today. That's how they listen. That's how they get you, man. That's that's listen. They get you with that nice stuff. I mean, you know, as an aside, one I was thinking just to add on, thinking as a kid, you remember when like we were framing and people would say, yo you got the new Pendleton jacket, right? Where mm-hmm. I thought Pendleton was the actual thing as a kid versus it was the Eddie Bauer, it was the Eddie Bauer or Woolridge, right? Mm-hmm. Like Woolridge did a Pendleton coat versus it was like Pendleton. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, just to think on a, on a fashion level, how as young people, and even today, if I could find one, like a Pendleton, Pendleton is a really distinctive jacket. Or, you know, in coat that obviously has an origin story that is often divorced from the kind of reality of what it is. Right. And, you know, so I, I appreciate you sharing it and, and also sharing the reality that, yes, if you're a rancher and you did well, you might have expensive boots on. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, like, like it, we were talking to the, you know, you know, uh, persons I travel there, like, you know, now when you go look at the hat. Check, check before you fall in love <laughs> with how this hat looks. Check that, make, you know, make sure you and the price might be able to work out because they got, you know, they got got hundred some dollar hat, got two hundred dollar hat, four hundred dollar hat, three thousand dollar hats. You know what I'm saying? I'm not right. in the three thousand dollar hat business. You know what I'm saying? But I could imagine if, if you know, the same way somebody probably look at, you know, some, you know, I don't know, expensive sneakers folks buy, or you know, expensive, you know, expensive things that people buy. Those are not, you know, they're not unique to, uh, you know, the other folks are not exempt from that. And, uh, you know, and it's, you know, and you see things. That, and the one thing I guess just as it's on the Pendleton, the, the, Pulit, the Pendleton Woolen Mills is named Pendleton. I, I don't, I don't remember if there's actual mill still in Pendleton, but, you know, because there's, a, you know, there's big sheep and wool production in Eastern Oregon and Eastern Washington and uh, uh, in Idaho. But you know, just that's that's the connection to the to the wool to the wool, and then the wool, you know, okay. and then the but the weaving, and I and I'm still working on this, so I know there's some I might make an error, but there is the the weaving, and I, one of the things I was trying to do that I wasn't able to was trying to see if I could locate you know because Umatilla make uh make them made or like made woolen blankets and like with weaving, and then like the Pendleton that you know that company kind of you know. They kind of popularized it as a style, but it ain't totally theirs. Yeah, I guess is what I should say. Allegedly, in just case you know, I'm with Pendleton. How you're trying to suit me or something? I'm, 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 I'm banging on. It. I'm just telling you, there's some controversy as it pertains to the to, origin. Trying to the sue the limited partnership here. Yeah, that's right. They I shut down my my small operation. And out here besmirching our character. Like, hey, 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 fellas. I, I'm just. Just a dude thinking out loud, man. Don't, don't, don't take me down. Uh, 
Alleg- <laughs> lawyers don't got to get involved in none of this. You know what I'm saying? We can talk this out. Allegedly. Right? <laughs> but yeah, I like so- that. I like that just allegedly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but it's like then it becomes this style thing, right? Like in and then in, in like the wool, you know what I'm saying, coat with the pattern and like the leather collars, you know what I'm saying? Big, big, big wooden buttons, you know what I'm saying? But you know, that also ties to a a vocation of like something to keep you warm, you out moving that breathes and can dry out. You out here working with, you know, animals and a vast openness that that gets cold. Like real cold, like bitter, bitterly <laughs> windy cold <laughs> in the winter, winter, certain times of the year, out in the the high desert. You know what I'm saying? Because all the uh, uh, all of that is is basically is high desert when you get uh, east of the mountains here. So, yeah. Okay. Um. So my second point is um. Framing it's all fusion, and. What I mean by that is this really interesting concept around food in particular. And, you know, when you think about places, you connect them to food, right? So you say, like, America is this, or Britain is this, or France is this. And then when you go to places and you say, like, they're native food, where, you know, as much as there was a lot of, there's a lot of dialogue around, you know, French food. Right. And it's usually saying a lot of butter, a lot of cream, bourguignon and, you know, a roasted chicken. Right. With a glass of wine on the side. You recognize that in practicality. That because of colonialism, frankly, the reality of food in in countries that practice colonialism is a lot different because people came back to those places and brought their food there. Mm -hmm. Right. So, yes, there's a lot of traditional French restaurants, but there's as many, you know, falafel places. Right. Mm -hmm. A falafel and any kind of handheld sandwich on a baguette and anything you would put on that sandwich is a full part of French culture now. And it's not just a ham and cheese sandwich. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like as many things as you can imagine in the falafel places and the African uh, cuisine places are full. Yakitori's. Um, one thing I didn't know is that um, there is a really big Japanese influence in uh, in, in France. I mean, I knew obviously mm-hmm. the the kind of Southeast Asian influence and the, the you know, uh, the influence of Vietnam and other countries. But also there's a, like a Japanese influence. So like sushi is huge. Mm. Like, yeah, sushi is a huge part of like the French reality. Like it's just literally you'll be going down the street and see multiple sushi restaurants. Right now. Yeah, they might just have roast chicken or some other stuff in there, but there's a lot of people eating sushi. And so, you know, the idea and the complexities of these countries. So just kind of like America. And when you're thinking about like, what's American food. And clearly sometimes what you think is American food ain't American food. <laughs> like it came, it either came from somewhere else or it's a creation of our own existence. Like, you know, one of my biggest challenges with this idea of what we think is Mexican food was developed on the Mexican, <laughs> like what we now call the Tex-Mex border, right? Like it's not a classic like Mexican food when you're trying to eat eating a taco. There's no such thing as a hard shell taco. Mm-hmm. being being eaten certain places or even in 
Britain, how, uh, you know, certain curries are like the national dish, right? And just this broader conversation about what other people bring to these countries, right? And it's all created like this fusion um, that we should acknowledge and that shouldn't be framed at like, okay, the French reality is still just this kind of a Bordeaux and a roasted chicken, but it's as much sushi or jollof rice or, you know, it like these are all things that are like real parts of the French reality in tacos, which is, frankly, was a big thing. Like the, the taco spots, it was taco spots everywhere. Uh, which kind of threw me off, to be honest, right? Yeah, because in some ways it felt like a, it, it, it kind of threw <laughs> like, wait, it's tacos and shit. Like, well, uh, it's uh, it, it, again going back to that that kind of cartoon characteristic way we get taught about the world in America, especially in our generation. It's like you with the Disney World and they showed you at the Epcot Center that France is like this, so you're supposed to see like supposed to be baguettes and 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 croissant. And and like uh, brie with, uh, with with right. with rugged uh, you know another smelly cheese and you know some sort of um uh some something was something like a soup like a French onion soup situation and like a dude with a beret like waiting for you to come by and pick up your bread like that's what you were supposed to see but it's like oh they got right it's, it's tacos and and I, oh that's from like basically you're in an international city <laughs> that has that has right. the whole right. world that's in it. Uh, chicken place. Oh, chicken places everywhere. Now I will say London had more chicken places than, than Paris. London's chicken shit was almost like <laughs> surreal. Like, right. you know, but you realize fried chicken, people frying chickens did not start in America. Right. I, I want to say this for everybody that's listening. People frying chickens <laughs> did not have its origin in South Carolina or North Carolina. <laughs> People have been frying chickens in some variation for a long time. Maybe not in the way that we have done it here. Yeah. Yeah. But that it has been done. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, you just saw so between fried chickens, tacos, and sushi, you like you said, fundamentally, you're in a global place. Like they're eating like everybody, eating like everybody else, right? And so, you know, seeing these places and getting outside of our traditional view of how we perceive food and food and culture via food, right? Because food is often one of the most uh, diffused, diffused ways that we transfer culture and have conversations about culture. So that was that was uh, that was interesting. And just as a quick aside, we laughed about earlier you realize how much France is obscured in the, in the collective identity of America. Like France is just treated as somebody that was over here for like, like a cousin that only was at your house for like a year or two. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't stay long. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and they, they're treated like that. Like, Oh yeah. They were down Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah. They was a Maine. <laughs> yeah. They all went to Canada and went to Quebec and shit. You know what I'm saying? Where no, you see the influence of the French in different parts of America. So it, it is interesting to to see that and acknowledge that there is this uh there is this collective, you know, kind of stuffing on it. And even like what we call French fries, we know are not French, right? <laughs> you know, just like all them kind of things. Like 
for sort of French are known for, you know, being fancy and berets and French fries versus like, you know, anything else. And a history of colonialism, often yeah. brutal. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> that that also should be noted. Yeah, like, you know, you know, we're not we're not uh <laughs> we're not trying to obscure the, the reality we just ain't trying to focus on that today you know what i'm saying but absolutely you know what i'm saying uh, you know i think it, i mean it's especially like when you really study the history of the west you know like the court de bois and uh you know what i'm saying which was basically like you know i mean in our modern language they would be sort of the, the hustling entrepreneur tradesmen <laughs> who, who like the dude that like which was you know totally something as i was thinking i was like Man, I could see somebody out here with some like, you know, get you, you know, like there's there are people who who do vending and stuff and only come out and like set up to do like make barbecue or other things just to do to table like at the roundup. You know what I'm saying? Cause it's a it's a big enough event that there's enough people that if you're, you know, you have a product or something like that, you know, at least in in the past, um, that the people, you know, it could be advantageous for you. And it's and it's a fancy, it's a big, just a a, a step into the present again for a moment the roundup itself is like a giant financial boom to the area like there's you know hotels but it's not that many hotels um you know the the umatilla the confederated tribes of umatilla has a, a casino and a hotel an rv park you know what i'm saying for for guests for you know people visiting so when this comes you know all of that stuff is sold out you know what i'm saying prices triple the regular rate da 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 because you know it's a you know big giant gathering and big giant gatherings everywhere where there's people mean it's commerce and stuff being sold and money moving and, and gambling and and other things that you're not gonna talk about today. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> um my last thing that just just being on the experience, you know, it, it is it's okay like to just go somewhere and be a guest sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Like we 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 have a, a conversation i think about um like how to move through the world and our values and these other things that sometimes point you to be like almost don't be um like not to be a tourist when you are in fact a tourist like you're there because you're coming to, to visit the place and you know maybe see some things maybe partake in the local you know food or whatever they're offering and and that there's some level of you know we have a weird american thing i mean i'm sure other folks have it too but i was just saying where you're like oh but you know you you don't want to you know like i don't want to go nowhere and and, and disrespect nobody you know i, I think that's that's a, a reasonable value proposition um but also if i'm if i am literally on a trip here like yeah i'm a guest man i don't I mean i'm i'm a, i'm gonna <laughs> do my best to go like oh should i see this should i go see the thing over there like as a guest should i go read these plaques should i you know I, I, you know, you, you do get a little tired of folks. Oh, where you from? Because kind of like, all right, you know, I'm black. Going back to that first point of places in their history, I'm clearly a six foot tall, you know, black man with long hair. You're pretty sure you ain't never seen me around here before, so it's reasonable for folks to go like, oh, where you from? Like, you know, but after a while, you'd be like, you know, you get tired of telling people, you know, I'm from over here because because we both know the assumption is you are not from here, and this is probably your first time. You know what I'm saying? Now, right. you know, and, and you, you know, but, but it's okay. I like for me, at least there's not a lot of value in like getting all riled up about why they keep asking me where I'm from. 
right now if i was here if i was out there all the time you know yeah i would get like yo i live here dog like i'll be I, I actually live right there like you see me like, <laughs> right you know we start pointing to the place you live right there man down the street man you know what i'm saying that's my spot right there over like, by the over, over by the drugstore man you know what i'm saying over by the, by the rex mart you know what i'm saying or the buy mart or something but like you know, go 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 on the silly tour, and they're like, "Oh, there's a there's a thing, and you can pay, and you can see a, see a see a spectacle." You know, maybe not something you know that's culturally disrespectful or whatever, but go see the stuff. You know what I'm saying? If they like, "Oh, you want to come back here and see the giant cattle?" Like, "All right, man, let me come see the giant cattle." Like, "Oh man, that's a longhorn cow. Look at that. Look at look at the horns on that big big fella there, or whatever have you." You know what I'm saying? It, it's okay to go on the journey <laughs> with stuff. You know what I'm saying? Even, um, you know sitting on the sidelines going going back you know later in the evening uh just to eat and and kind of people watch it's okay like go do that that's what that's what trips and experiences are for <laughs> like you know now if you want to have a deeper connection right like maybe you you come back every year and you start to know people and um or you you know place becomes a regular place that you frequent where you start to build you know a deeper relationship with the place and the people in the place right and that's cool too but it's okay if it's your first time going somewhere. Yo, man, just be on the trip, man. Like, you know, go read the little plaques that they like. Oh, we we sell this is the local favorite, you know, snack or whatever. Go eat, try the snack if it uh, if it uh, connects with your dietary, you know, what I'm saying laws. You know what I'm saying I ain't saying go eat no, you know, swine if you don't eat swine like me. Like, you know, what I mean that don't mean you got to pass majestic over there eating brie, ham and brie sandwiches. You know, what I'm saying let me find out. James <laughs> did get a pass, Jack, but I did find. <laughs> <laughs> the the vegan charcuterie. I about to say that you did. Listen, I found all that shit, man, and I ain't going to. It was amazing. They had the vegan champagne because uh, <laughs> you because you recognize how much wine. I mean, you know, if it's an issue for you, does go through either fish gills um, or sometimes uh, beef. Um, you know, you know, and when it when it's getting uh, strained. Um, mm -hmm. So over there, and it, you know, you can find it here. You can find like wines that were done a certain way that they are like mm. vegan, and you know that. Um, nope. But yeah, like there, anywhere, you know, they had like just vegan, you know, co-ops and markets just full of like cheese and all the stuff that they would normally eat, right? So for someone that's in Paris, and Paris has not always gotten a good reputation as a kind of vegan destination, but it has definitely. Uh, kind of changed recently um my third point is you know and it's a conversation we've had and and maybe for some people this is not a question but you know i i think of it a lot as blackness beyond hip-hop mm -hmm. and you know being there being in paris you just reminded that there is, frankly, just blackness outside of the American context. Because a lot of times, if you're in America, you go to vacation in places that kind of have some proximity to America, right? Or you might go to Toronto, which is kind of like could feel like America light, <laughs> like mm -hmm. America without the problems, but with transportation, like good transportation and, and less crime, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you could feel like these places are like kind of still American ish, where and even London, you could kind of, you know, it's it's not America. It's clear. However, the English is the spoken language, right? So you have to, you still can frame much of your your existence with like people speak the same language you do. Where there's like people don't speak the language, 
they can they'll they will shift for you because they're so used to taking American dollars and English dollars and pounds rather. Mm-hmm. So they'll look at you, and especially to your point, you're a six foot black man with with locks. You might look like you're from. I might look like I'm from. You know, either either France or some variation of a country that someone speaks French. Mm-hmm. Um, until I say. Yeah, I say something in there like, oh, you are clearly from America. Or like I try to say bonjour and I realize like, you know, when when folks are saying bonjour to each other, they're saying it in this very light way, like bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, you're like, we have like an American, but you're bonjour. <laughs> I was like, okay, you speak English, huh? Okay. <sighs> What do you mean? You know, or nothing I've done was being like mercy, like says just saying mercy, like mercy beaucoup. Like they're like, thank you very much. Like <laughs> I felt like Prince Akeem and stuff. Like every time you say that, thank you very much, thank you very much, thank you very much. Um so you know, you you get that, but you realize that there is a sense of global blackness beyond the American gaze. And, and 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 I want to say this beyond, especially the current gaze, the current state that we're in in America, which is the gaze of being black as identified within the world of white supremacy, mm-hmm. right? Meaning, like, okay, we, you know, America is grappling to some degree. America or parts of America or cities or institutions are grappling with the role of uh, with the impact of white supremacy. Of racism and and capitalism and and, and, and you know, all of the, those three kind of like touching on people, right? Touching in their their confluence. But when you're outside of that, you then see that other people are existing, not necessarily in that gaze. Mm-hmm. Like their gaze isn't in the American gaze of white supremacy. It might be in a relationship to, of their country to to the French, right? But it's not necessarily quite the same. Um, and so you just see something different that, you know, it just it just looks different. And there's also this relationship of people to the country of, you know, possible countries of their origin or countries with their family. So, you know, if you're related to a quote unquote black American experience, they ain't been here that long. They ain't been there that long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, now, obviously, some people in France have been there a long time. Black folks been in Paris a long time. So that's not. To, to say that, but it's, it's, it's different. I, I'll frame it like this. It's like different for somebody from like that family went to Boston with Christmas addicts versus somebody whose family came from the islands in the fifties. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're having a different black experience. Yeah. yeah. Right. And blackness is not a monolith. Right. So there's a different black experience. And so there I was able to really feel what it meant not to be constrained by being black in an American gaze. And I think that's important for young black people to do, to even frame their experience. I mean, when we think about what it meant for, you know, a lot of our artists, um, you know, to travel. Um, and in France is where you get, you know, black folks from the Harlem Renaissance, you get the Negritu movement and the Negrismo movement all meeting in France, right? All meeting in Paris, frankly. Mm-hmm. And, and, and kind of having that framework for how they see global blackness. So you could reasonably argue that France is one of the stools of how black folks perceive themselves on a global level, starting in the, in the 20, early 20th century. 
And so, you know, that's just important. It's important to not, you know, that Jay-Z is not the biggest part of your conversation, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, that's we're not debating if Jay-Z is a good capitalist or a bad capitalist. Like, because they're not in London, they're not in Paris debating if Jay-Z is a good capitalist or a bad capitalist. Mm-hmm. There's, right. some other, there's some other shit happening. There's right, some other right. things that, that people are thinking about. And, you know, I just think it's really important for for black folks, brown folks, again, because, again, there's other histories of folks from South America moving to France and Paris and having lives there and the Asian uh, uh, role in, in Paris. So I just think it's important for all people to actually have a experience in a space that does not define you by the American gaze and you don't allow yourself to define other people by the American gaze. And that's the frame I'm using in hip hop. Like don't use that lens of the world to frame everyone. Although you may see some things that look just like you're in America. Like there were some strips that looked just like you was on 120, 116th street in Harlem, right? Like very much the same. Um, so there is this kind of global diaspora, but at the same time, allow yourself to get out of that state. And I actually recognize that there's a even when you're striving to 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 like fight the systems, there is a certain stress and a certain duress that you're under that when you even step outside of that for a second, you're not under that same duress. You're not under that same stress of that gaze or of that particular struggle. Um, And I think it's important for our people to acknowledge that we can exist outside of that as we struggle towards making change. That there is a there is a world in a space out of outside of that. Yeah, thank you. That's dope. I think. um... You know, we we always put a premium on the importance of, of, of your movement you know the physical movement so that you can you can have the the mental space to see some things that might be uh harder to see when you're in the mix of it so you know yeah and i want to say one thing man get passports man (laughs) get passports don't be messing up your kids credit so they got some stuff going on they can't get credit cards and stuff man (laughs) like you know what i mean like Straight up, man, like, you know, um, one of the brothers, I want to give a shout out to um, some folks in particular. It's a um, a brick and mortar location called Little Africa. And um, at this place in Little Africa, um, which the broader kind of neighborhood of where West Africans came and North Africans came, it's called Little Africa. So it's like mm-hmm. a border. It's a really interesting bordering of like one side, all North African Moroccan, Mauritanian, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Tunisian. And then one side is like all West African, mm-hmm. right? And folks who came from like Haitian. So so you you just see a lot. Like it, it, it confounds the space. You see Jamaicans, it, Niger- then the Nigerians are there. It, it confounds your vantage point of like who's where. But um you know, uh, shout out to uh, Jacqueline and and Patrick. Uh, Jacqueline is a sister from uh, from Cameroon who lives in Paris, and then uh, brother Patrick is actually from Louisiana, and him and his wife and their children moved to Paris. Um, so we had a really really good conversation and dialogue over a couple of days, just about like 
talking to people, talking to someone from Cameroon who lives in Paris that had been to the States and their viewpoints of how the black community functioned in the States. And then someone who's from the States who then moved to Paris and talks about that experience. It was, it was fascinating. And it's kind of the dialogue that we talk about at some point that was happening for us globally that I don't think is happening. Mm -hmm. Um, We, we, we do see some some culture going back and forth. I would say the whole Afro beat idea, which is kind of a misnomer. I don't know. Maybe that's showing my age, but I don't like. Yeah. I don't think it's Afro beat because Fela Kuti and Tony Allen did Afro beat. That was a thing. That's like that's yeah. like if hip hop did. You start just calling it something totally different because like forty years later, someone else did some variation and they rapped, and right. it's like, but that's not the actual thing. Yeah. But anyway, I, you know, I digress. But like you do see the flow of culture coming to America and the diaspora culture influencing America in ways that you didn't see for a long time. It always looked like a one-way street. Um, but yeah, if you get it, and, and this plays into your third point, Justin, I'll stop. Be a guest. If you go to somewhere like Paris, go get a tour. Like, it's, it's fine. Like, go get a tour and see something that you're not, go- like, it's not, going to show up for you you're just not going to see it right so if someone can take you and show you all the streets that have to do with like you know black french artists or black french freedom fighters go see it right like they got toussaint louverture street like like you know what i mean like rutus did toussaint louverture like all this history does connect so it's okay to be it's okay to be a a a guest and if, if you're sincere about learning, you know, about global blackness, it's it, it's fine to do that. So, hey, well, thank you. you know what I mean, for for sharing. You know what I'm saying? No, thank you. And now, man, now you got me want to go to this, you know, go to one of these towns, man, and you know, be like you and get in the be on the flute, <laughs> <laughs> be in the parade, man. Hey, man we'll be, we'll be. Just so y'all know, just man, just took it to another level, y'all. Just be in the parade, Jack. And the, in the rodeo parade, man. We went from a log cabin to all this, man. Hey, man. You know, this, just, 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 uh, he like say, walking, living, living my truth, or walking, you know, whatever they be saying. One of them things. One of them sayings people be saying. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing that thing. You know what I mean? It's out here. Take it, take it all in. <laughs> but I appreciate you, man. For that, uh, I would say peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Good Brothers. Thank you to my good brother, I'm Majestic. Ash Your Old Head Podcast is a creative project started by me, featuring me, uh, and at least in this instance, my good brother, I'm Majestic, and others, um, and more to come at some point in the future. Um, you can support the podcast by listening, uh, rating, and subscribing wherever you listen, and by sharing uh, wherever you like to share things, so social media, uh, emails, you got a newsletter, you know what I'm saying, postcards, whatever it is you do, please feel please. Feel free to please share the podcast. Um, you can also support the podcast by becoming a subscriber on Patreon. Just search up Justice Raji. And when you find it, do the thing. And there you go. Um, I'm not going to add a whole lot. Thank you for listening again. Be safe. Peace.